Welcome back to the Hex Drinkers podcast episode some number uh, because we screwed that up in the last few. Uh, I'm your host, Jules. Uh, I'm joined today by Eric. Hello. Oak. Yo. And Chev. Yo. And we are, of course, a longtime playgroup journeying the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours. And, gentlemen, as is tradition with every new set, we must embark on the communal offering that is known as the group brew. Now, of course, this time we had to mix it up even further. Uh, we were looking at uh, various commanders throughout the set, and as we remarked in our um, After Dark episode about you know the ways that you could brew some of these, uh, Wizards has gotten so efficient in modern card design that a lot of these are very linear. So instead of just uh, relegating ourselves to a singular commander, we decided to look at commanders that were all within one of the several families within the Nukapena lore. Lads, what family did we choose? Obscura! We felt like the Obscura family had the most to offer in terms of they all operate within a refined pocket of what they do. They all feel similar, but they all have their own design space and flowchart to follow, which felt to us like the best way to attack a group brew that isn't about one card, but is instead about a family of cards. Part of what we did too is we went through every family. We're trying to look for diversity. And I think the only one that seemed more diverse than Obscura Legends was the Riveteers, which to be fair had like Blitz was the mechanic, but then everything else was like something different. Treasure was really the underlying thing. So you had like Jolene doing something totally different. You have the dragon that you sacrifice creatures and create treasures. Uh, and then Obscura allowed you to do all these different things with Draw, Bant. Everything had shield counters. It was kind of funny. And then it kind of went down the line. But we all managed to find something and, and make it somewhat unique. I thought we chose Esper because that was the objectively the correct color combination to choose. But I'll I'll take all of the answers that were previously stated as well. Why don't we just get into these lists? Lads, who have you chosen to helm your various decks? And perhaps why have you chosen that commander? I'm happy to go first on this because mine is probably relatively obvious given that I talked about it during last week as a commander that I was interested in. Keza, Augur of Agonies. I thought it was an interesting commander in terms of how it was structured, it's a little bit underpowered in terms of that six to eight range if you want to build it as a standard commander. I, I, th I think it's relatively underwhelming. If you want to start getting into infinite combos and infinite loops of draw, I think that it can start opening up some doors and being pretty powerful. But short of that, I think its potential is a little bit more limited. So I took it to PDH, where I think it has a lot more potential as sort of a grindy commander. There's a little bit less life involved at the table. A lot of the other commanders are weaker. And so I think Keza shines really well in that environment. So today I'm talking about PDH and competitive PDH. Nice. I mean, you ain't got to tell me twice. I love that. I went with uh, Rafine, the queen of the Obscura herself. Rafine Scheming Seer. And I think we all know probably why I picked this one, right? Because it's got the phrase, whenever you attack on it. <laughs> I don't know if there's any other Esper card that says whenever you attack on it. So I was pretty excited to throw around this one. Um, I feel like most Esper commanders are usually control-themed, and this one has got a little bit of card filtering built in, but it's all about turning creatures sideways. That's what I like. I particularly love your deck name, um, uh, <laughs> Weenie Hut Jr., which I think is in reference to the, the archetype White Weenie. I think you should have named it, though. You, you talked about how Rafine is the queen. I think it should have been Queenie Hut Jr., but... Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Rafini Hutt Jr. 
<laughs> we'll, uh, we'll put that suggestion exactly where it belongs in the suggestion box. Open lid. You can see them in most kitchens. Do you, do you mean like Schrodinger's suggestion box where we, we don't actually know if there are any suggestions in there and we're not actually going to I look? specifically meant a trash can, but um, yeah, we can, we can make it a, a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to be nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't come here to be nice. We don't. We come here to conduct on the pain train because uh, I talked about Toulouse, a uh, clever conductor, Make your dad jokes now, Oak. I think if you're going to play this, you're going to lose. Ah, uh, fucking got him. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. Let's go. Um, but yeah, I was pretty psyched about this. I think the best way to conduct the pain train is uh, a cycling deck. Because Toulouse says whenever you discard a card, you get to exile it from your graveyard. And then you get to get it back when she dies. Well, technically when you're cycling, it's basically discard the card with cycling. Do something, whether that's basic land, search for, or just draw a card, etc. But uh, all those cards that we're, we're cycling away, we're not really. We just want to have our cake and eat it too. So I, I've got a, an Esper cycling deck today. Ruining my perfect transition, because I was going to go from trash to Oscar rubbish reclaimer, but... Last but not least, we've got the non-watermarked Obscura Legend from the Obscura Precon that, similar to, to Julian's Toulouse and the discard theme, instead of that middle ground where you have to like exile it first and then Toulouse dies and then comes back to your hand, that's too much work. Oscar, whenever you discard a non-land card, cast it from your graveyard. We're going right there. We've got similar synergies, similar discard themes, but we're aiming also at a kind of like slightly upgraded pre-con in terms of budget while maintaining an aggressive and powerful deck. I like that, Chev. Where you're going was how I, I think was I was initially going to go with my Toulouse. I'm, I'm glad that I switched to the cycling so we didn't overlap too much. I have a question before we get going though. Couldn't help notice that you have snow-covered lands in here, which, you know, is, is great. Uh, Snow-covered lands are making a comeback. Uh, why do you have just two basic islands in addition to your nine snow-covered islands? <laughs> that is completely unintentional, probably from clicking on the quick add basics. I don't think it checks to see if you have a snow-covered island in there and therefore bump that basic. I think it just adds new basics. Julian, I, I think the answer is obvious. I mean, you answered this for us uh, a few play sessions oh, Field ago. of why, the Dead? Why <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why would you run basic and a snow basic of the same kind for Field of the Dead? Jeff, put Field of the Dead in real, real quick. I'm trying to help you out here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, we're not here to talk about Tatiova and her, her shenanigans with the Field of the Dead. We're here to talk about the Obscura and some bomb-ass decks we made. Who wants to kind of start us off with a, uh, a more in-depth breakdown? I mean, I'm still on the PDH train. I want to hear what Eris got going on. Yeah, for sure. So the way decks are categorized in the PDH sort of deckless database is they're, they're often listed as sort of either proactive or reactive or things like that. And I, I think that this is overall sort of like a slower, more reactive deck that generally is comfortable waiting to get its game plan online because Keza is such a good commander for the grind. Whenever you draw a card, target opponent loses a life, you gain a life. That includes the first card you draw each turn, as well as any other incidental card draw you have, which we have a great deal of, because black and blue are great at it. And suddenly things like Jitaxian Probe become, pay a life, draw a card. That's stupid. <laughs> as well as, uh, there's a lot of cycling lands in here that will uh, hopefully prevent flooding out and things like that. Uh, a lot of common problems that come up, or have come up for me at least in PDH, is I will occasionally feel like, you know what, I just don't feel like I have enough control over what I'm drawing, I don't feel like my card quality is high enough, and so I felt like this deck would really combat that very well by turboing through the deck with a lot of draw spells. And then the end goal is you have K's out on the field for long enough, 
and you have enough drain going on that eventually your opponents just end up sort of weakened over time. Uh, and then there's a lot of common cards that introduce the Monarch. I knew that I couldn't kill people just by sitting there and being like, now hold on while I draw my entire deck and slowly kill all of you. So I felt like getting the Monarch on the field with cards like Azure Fleet Admirable, Palace Sentinels, and Thorn of the Black Rose. Cards like that will help encourage everyone to start dealing out more combat damage to each other than they already might, because everyone's looking to draw those cards. And again, Keza benefits off that sort of incidental card draw at the end of your turn. To end the game, we've got Crypt Rats and Pestilence, which can, if you put enough black man in them, just kill everyone at the table. And hopefully, you're going to have the highest life at the table, because Kaze has been gaining you life all game. So, <laughs> those are two ways that you can just finish out the game. What's the other way, Eric? How else can you finish out the game in this deck? Well, I mentioned it at the start. What's one way you can bust something that gives you a benefit every time you draw a card? It's infinite draw. Uh, this deck contains Peregrine Drake with uh, Displace and Ghostly Flicker. Long story short, you get infinite mana, and we're running Whispers of the Muse, which is a draw spell with buyback, so you can draw your entire deck. Uh, one card I found very interesting as a part of the strategy, you'll note that between three players with 35 life, that's more than 100 cards. You don't have that many cards in your library. You might not be able to kill everyone with just one library worth of cards, so Clear the Mind comes into play which is two and a blue, target player shuffles their graveyard into their library. This can be used if someone is building up a threatening graveyard and then recovered later, or if it's just sitting in your hand, you can shuffle your own graveyard back in to recover resources or give you more fuel to burn people out at the end. That just seems like a hard counter to Chev's Duskmantle Guildmage deck. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's a good thing that you actually start with 30 life in PDH, <laughs> so then you can actually just... I thought it was 35. It, no, it's 30. Yeah. <laughs> no, all right, I'm 100% wrong. Either way... Uh, Deck's even better than you thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I still like Clear the Mind in case anyone is out of range of your reasonable draws because I doubt that people are just going to be like, ah, Kaza can stay on the field. That's not a problem for me at all. <laughs> yep. I'm really glad to see Pestilence in this deck. I, I like to think to some degree the heinous Gary... EDH deck inspired that sort of idea, uh, but I, I really think when you have a commander that just drains your opponents out, uh, and you often find yourself ending up with the highest life total at the table, um, a card like Pestilence, and like you mentioned, lesser extent, I think uh, Crypt Rats is just great, yeah. because you can just, like, every turn, we're all losing five life. But it doesn't matter, because you got more life than anyone, and there's a board stall, because there's no board wipes. <laughs> One interesting thing that I thought of during brewing this uh, there are a couple other blinks, blink spells in here other than just Displace and Ghostly Flicker. Uh, so you could, in fact, activate Crypt Rats, flash in White Maid Lion, and save your Crypt Rats for another activation again later. That's spicy. Stuff like that, I think, will help encourage the burn plan. Something else I've seen here that I, I really enjoy is cards like Brainstorm and uh, Frantic Search. Essentially because, like... Yes, you only get one card from them, but they are three draw triggers. And there is some madness synergy in two, here too, I see, which might be a staple among these Obscura uh, commanders kind of going forward. But it's super good to kind of get a little bit more value out of it, but also you're going to be gaining three life, dealing three damage from one mana spell. And then you still get the card advantage kind of on top of that. So those kind of things where it's like there is the added benefit because you're getting more than just like put the top three into your hand or something like that. I appreciate the... Uh... 
Not only am I gonna draw more cards than you, but I also don't want you to have cards sub-theme. Obviously, Siphon the Mind's a classic, but you know, when someone's just straight up running Tassiger's Cruelty, I, I just gotta, I gotta clap for them because that's just that's just some uh, some big dick energy right there. And uh, also Delirium Skeins, which I think we talked about maybe removing, but once again, I just gotta applaud the absolute gall of running this card. My thought process with that card was, theoretically, I should be drawing more cards than anyone, and sure, mm. I'm never gonna love the idea of I'm gonna discard three cards, but everyone else is going to hate it way more. That's true. I mean, if you're playing that, it depends on the decks you're playing against, obviously, but in, in any uh, average PDH pod, if you're on like turn five or six, people probably don't have more than three cards in their hands. So now it's just like, okay, I've established board control, and now it's a top deck war for you three, while I still have three cards in hand. Your deck is going to be doing that for you by countering their spells, destroying their creatures, etc. I did end up taking it out because I don't think it's necessary, but it was definitely a fun idea to play with of, what if I could just sneak this in there? I was surprised with the number of good common removal spells, namely Debt to the Kami. That's kind of really good. <laughs> I think there was like two or three Voltron decks that at, were added to the uh, database this time around. Julian and I called out specifically Night Veil vale Predator. Of course, has Hexproof, so it's hard to deal with directly. And it, it, it runs creatures literally just for Edict fodder. So having the Edicts in there to kind of pressure those Voltron decks is super important in CPDH um, and probably regular as well. Eric, I was wondering if you happened upon the card Fall From Favor, a solid removal card that also incorporates the Monarch mechanic. Two and a blue, tap target creature, you become a Monarch, it doesn't untap during its untap step, its control is untap step, unless that player is the Monarch. Uh, I think it was it's a super interesting removal spell, as uh, these other boys will attest. I was struggling to to cut this down to 100 pretty much right up until the time we went live. I, I was not able to find room for it yet, but I want to get the Monarch a little more involved with this deck because I do think that will be important to me ultimately winning with this deck is introducing the Monarch more often and then sneaking back into the Monarch position when I can, but mostly just letting the other players kill each other over it. Yeah, I, I bring this up. Partially as a joke, partially because I, I, I think it is solid, although not as good as in regular Popper, but I remember this card stirred up quite a lot of controversy uh, when it was released in Commander Legends because it is like one of the first actually good cards that incorporates the Monarch into blue which I think a lot of people saw that pretty immediately for what it was, and it is, in fact, banned in regular Popper. <laughs> but not in PDH. Go wild. Yep. yep. Yeah, the, uh, the PDH ban list is reserved for only strictly heinous cards like Rhystic Study. All right, is there anything else you want to uh, highlight from this build before we move on, Eric? I was surprised sort of by the number of lands that exist in PDH. Mm. Uh, I, I have not gone through that specifically. I've, I've mostly been just sort of, uh, in the past when we've played PDH, I've just kind of pulled them off uh, other people's lists. And this time I was paying a little bit more attention to it and was pretty surprised about just how many different kinds of lands are available at Common. All the cycling lands, all of the snow duels, all of the carous are also common if you want lands that tap for more than one mana, which is great when you're trying to do stuff with Paragon Drake and trying to profit mana. The Eldraine-typed lands that ETB, and if they ETB untapped, you get a ridiculous benefit. I mean, you, you can just say Mystic Sanctuary. Like, we yeah, were all Mystic thinking... Yeah, Mystic Sanctuary is cracked. Right, right. It's Mystic Sanctuary. <laughs> Witch's Cottage is also good. Right, It's right. serviceable, yeah. But Mystic Sanctuary but, you know, is insane. One of these cards is banned in modern. <laughs> Notably, Ghostly Flicker, you can also target a land with it if you want, 
So you don't really need to spend four mana on Archaeomancer or five mana on Mnemonic Wall. You can just blink your Mystic Sanctuary if you want to get your blink spell back. That does put it on top of Library, <laughs> though. Not to hand. Yeah. Ah. But if you have, I don't know, I mean, there's got to be another creature in there that draws a card on ETB. Most recently, too, Eric, uh, I see you've, you've included it here, but the new Capenna Allied District Cycle, which is ETB tap, tap for two, one of two colors, and then four mana sack and draw card. To complement the Campus Cycle we got in Strixhaven, which was, I believe, four generic, tap it, describe one. Small things, right? Like, these aren't lands you're going to be putting into a lot of uh, EDH decks, but they're very helpful in dealing with that mid-game sort of slump in PDH and just are better than the gain lands that were being run probably up until this point. You're already running so many tapped duels, it's like, why not just have that extra value? Oh, <laughs> just play a turn behind, <laughs> really. <laughs> Every, it's, it's okay, everyone's a turn behind, right? Right, true. I really enjoyed building this deck. I think I'll probably talk to our, uh, our resin PDH boys a little bit more about it and see if I can get an, whipped up into shape where either worthy of playing or potentially... If the ceiling for it is high enough, worthy of submitting to the uh, the committee for CPDH. That's what we like to hear. Yeah, we'll, we can clean it up. We'll get everyone in there eventually. <laughs> get it fitted for a nice suit, you know, mm -hmm. get it groomed, do that whole thing. All right, who we got next? I want to talk about my queen, Ravine. Three mana, one blue, one white, one black. A legendary Sphinx demon flying and ward one, interestingly enough. And more importantly, uh, whenever you attack, target attacking creature connives X where X is the number of attacking creatures. Uh, and I think... Is this the only card with Connive X? I think so. Anyways, I mean, th there are definitely a few directions you could take this in. When a creature connives, you draw a card, then discard a card, then put a 1-1 one -one counter on it for each non-land card discarded this way. So kind of similarly complicated, like Explore, if you remember that mechanic, where it involves lands and non-land permanents, but... Um, you know, you get a lot of 1-1 one -one counters on something, you could probably go that route. And, of course, with discarding comes reanimation. I thought the thing I want to do with this uh, the most is sort of a go-wide strategy where we try and attack with as many creatures as possible, and one of those creatures gets to connive real, real hard. <laughs> <laughs> and this is sort of a deck archetype I've been looking to breach for a while now. Uh, I think I've had some questionably successful attempts at this before, but... Anyways, um, for the most part, this deck was sort of based off a strategy called Zoo, um, which ha doesn't see as much play now recently as it used to, but it used to be a big playstyle in Modern, where you'd be playing cards like Wild and the Cattle. So creatures that start small, you play them for a little mana, and they just get bigger over time. By herself, Rafine kind of makes any creature like this, where it can just get bigger if a lot of creatures are attacking, and you discard a lot of non-land cards off the connive. But besides that, uh, I think another like perfect example of this sort of uh, zoo strategy is uh, a new card called Ledger Shredder. Two mana for a 1-2 flyer. Uh, whenever a player casts their second spell each turn, Ledger Shredder connives. So Ledger Shredder can just get big on its own throughout the game. Uh, even if you play it for two mana a few turns later, it might be like five mana or a, a, you know, a five. <laughs> it's mana cost increases with every connive. Yes, <laughs> that'd be funny. Now, do you think that people are going to be playing more than what, like two spells a turn? Like, is that is do, do you think that's something that's going to happen? Maybe not against Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'll play some draw spells. Yeah, it's weird. It is a thing that happens, and especially when you're playing a deck with a super low curve, you also tend to uh, play two spells a turn. I think very frequently, and this triggers off that Ooh. as well. Uh, so a few more cards that are in this deck that are kind of like that. Um, 
Terramander yep. from <laughs> the uh, Guilds of Ravnica set. Um, has it's a one-one flyer for one, but it has adapt four. Um, that costs like eight by itself, but it gets reduced for the amount of instants of sorceries you have in your graveyard. Spoiler: This deck runs a ton of especially instants. Um, Sarah Ascendant, classic. I feel like uh, EDH uh, hated card in EDH. Uh, it's a one-one flyer with lifelink for one. Uh, but it gets plus five, plus five if you have more than 30 life. Definitely a card invented before the heyday of EDH, uh, where everyone was playing starting at 20 life. Uh, so that's a great thing to drop on one. Uh, Jace's Phantasm, which is a one, uh, another 1-1 one, one flyer for one. This deck's full of them. Uh, gets plus four, plus four if an opponent, an opponent, any opponent, has uh, ten or more cards in their graveyard. Very easy to get over the course of a long uh, EDH game. The list goes on. Um, so, because this isn't just modern zoo, um, we have to play sort of around, uh, EDH things and at an EDH power level. Uh, so we have a lot of, uh, creatures in here that just provide a ton of value over time. Uh, be that through card draw, some form of recursion, or... No, that's pretty much it, actually. <laughs> card draw in, in some form of recursion. <laughs> um... Uh, I won't name all of them, but uh, we know the recently printed Esper Sentinel is an awesome little uh, dork. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess technically falls in the dork archetype. Um, I won't even bother listing what that does because it's a wall of text and everyone already knows what it does anyways. Uh, Luris, another card that everyone knows what it does already. Three mana and you get to play pretty much every creature, almost every creature uh, we're running in this deck off of it once per turn. Um, a ch card Chev recently brought to all of our attention that is can provide a ton of value uh, over a game. Uh, Dothy Voidwalker. <laughs> two two. <Duh>. Shit. <laughs> or, excuse me, 3-2, Shadow, um, and then it's got some busted ability where, like, you exile cards that go to your opponent's graveyard, and then you play one for free if you sack Dothy Voidwalker. Also, it's got its own built-in evasion, like, again, most of these creatures. It's got Shadow. Um, one of my favorite commanders, Timna, does sort of the same thing, and a card I've mentioned before, Weather Weathered Wayfarer, that lets you um, uh, get a land out of your library each turn. Sort of like White's card draw. Um, so there's those. Um, we've got a number of protection and disruption creatures in here as well. Um, uh, Chev, Chev, what are you doing with that gun? Chev, Chev, put that gun away. <laughs> Chev, um, okay, yeah, sorry. Um, I'm running Selfless Spirit in this deck and Mother and Giver of Runes, as well as, um, Selfless Glyph Weaver. Which is uh, a... I know, I'm not sure if we've talked about this on this one before, uh, but it is from Strixhaven. It is a 3-mana, 2-3 human cleric. Exile it, and creatures you control gain indestructible till the end of the turn. But also, it's an MDFC with a board wipe on the back. Uh, Overcosted board wipe, but still a pretty good board wipe uh, nonetheless. So, Oakley, this, um, this looks a little bit like the spiritual accessor to your Alicia deck from Eon's Past. I think like five, six, seven of the creatures are <laughs> ripped exactly from it. Uh, most of the ones that you mentioned in terms of protection, but it seems to be trying to get at a similar niche, utilizing these creatures with a low mana cost. Yeah, Chev, yeah, I, I was I was gonna make a, a similar comment that this this feels like the marrying of Oaks two 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 of two of the three of Oaks great loves his his Timna and Vile Smasher deck, which runs yep. all these things. Um, I don't think he mentioned Grand Abolisher, but that's in here too, as well as Topplegeist. Uh, that list, and then he took 
you know, that list and basically married it with his, his love of 60-card formats, uh, which is usually some sort of blue-red uh, tempo list. So he's just playing all the one-mana, you know, uh, blue... <laughs> Uh, disruption spells, basically, uh, including an offer you can't refuse, which is a, a hot new card from New Capenna. Mm. And you just kind of took those and, and mashed them together. Uh, so I, I can't say that I dislike this list because it's hard for me to hate any Esper list. Uh, but I do see some. Uh, <laughs> I do see where this came from. Mm-hmm. And you've you've got the <laughs> other uh, Oakley thieves. staples too, like Savin's Reclamation that he's been uh, talking about for quite some time now. You yes. also have the thing that is just constant shin kicking of Throne of the God Pharaoh. Um, I believe that's in another one of his lists <laughs> yeah. as well. You, I do you love look at this, and it's kind of like the the evolution of an Oakley if he were to try blue, alternate reality Oakley. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, I was hoping you guys would be proud of me. I, you know, no red. It, it still managed to make like a weenie aggro deck, mm-hmm. uh, sort of, <laughs> kind of work. Um, yeah. So like a couple cards you mentioned in there, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned like Topplegeist, Grand Abolisher. There's a ton of disruption and like cards you can play. Creatures you can play, like, early, and then they have an effect, like, um, Malevolent Hermit, which is, like, you can sack him for one, and then, like, counter a non-creature spell, unless their opponent plays three, so it's kind of, like, saving it for later. Um, plenty of ways to recur creatures, and since this deck is so low to the ground, um, I thought a good way to, uh, sort of... EDH Fi the archetype, would be to run a, a ton of the MDFC mm. uh, lands. Uh, so, all these cards that are, are great to cast late game that you wouldn't normally like want to cast on like a super low curve, like Seagate Restoration, uh, Agadim's Awakening, which is just so perfect for this deck because you're going to want to be casting that for like six anyways. You can get three creatures yeah, back buddy. for six Hell mana. Yeah. Uh, a one, a two, and a three. Right, bing, bang, boom. Um, and another big, another, I guess, like, awesome one that I'll mention is Kabira Takedown, which is, um, deals damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to the number of creatures you control. So, again, fits, like, right into this deck. Uh, and that, and that's definitely a theme where I just wanted cards that were, like, as good early game as they are late game. Um, a creature example of that is Hypnotic Siren, which by itself is just a 1-1, uh, flyer, but you can also pay its bestow cost for 7, where you control the enchanted creature, and uh, it also gets plus one, <laughs> plus one in flying. But it, the important part is that you steal it <laughs> for seven mana, so it can be played early or it can be played late. Yeah. Um, uh, Chev, this Chev de- oh, runs. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to jump in a couple minutes, a couple oh, more cards. Uh, Chev called out Savine's Reclamation, yes. which is a great card, um, but in a similar vein, Call of the Death Dweller, I think, is another great card in this deck to specifically grab two creatures and immediately make them much more annoying to deal with especially mm-hmm. uh it gives them both like soft evasion with one of them having death touch and the other one having menace so they're a little more difficult to block so with rafine out there you can just kind of be like well it sucks to be you uh one of these is going yeah. to get through or you, you have to have a lot <laughs> of resources on the table to block them uh and then a card yeah. that i always love and i always end up wanting to put in white lists but uh, only sometimes find room for is Winds of Abandon, uh, which, when overloaded, just becomes Path to Exile every creature you don't control for six mana, yep. which is kind <laughs> of crazy. <laughs> yep. I, lo- I love that as a board wipe, um, and I-, I know we're talking on the topic of like cards you can play early and then later. Winds of Abandon definitely falls in that category. More well-known one, you know, maybe Cyclonic Rift kind of fits into yeah. that <laughs> uh, archetype as well. <laughs> um, but I do like Winds of Abandon better just for, you know, uh, 
the the uh, I don't know. It's the underdog. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's got its own thing. Going I know on. I've been talking for a long time, so I'll try and wrap this up uh, <laughs> soon. Um, the part of this deck that I thought Julian would especially really like is that we're running a ton of cheap, efficient instant speed removal since um, we're going to. We're not actually running any ramp at all in this deck because it's so low to the ground. We're mostly looking to just hit our land drop every turn, play fair. Who knows if that's actually viable in EDH. I haven't tested this deck out yet. Um, but uh, I, we all know the staples uh, of those, uh, but I figured I'd just highlight a few um, really good ones from the more recent sets. Uh, for creature removal, you've got Infernal Grasp, which is two mana, destroy any creature, lose two life uh, in black. Uh, Fateful Absence, which is destroy target creature or planeswalker. Uh, its controller investigates for one and a white. Instant speed again. Um, a card I think is possibly a little bit slept on. Uh, Fracture from mm. Strixhaven, which again doesn't have the best art. And I feel like when most people look at it, uh, they think, wait a sec, this doesn't kill creatures? I hate this card. <laughs> um, but it does take care of artifacts, enchantments, and planeswalkers too, if that's in your meta. So if you need some more, um, you know, cheap artifact enchantment removal in a white blacklist, send that at it. And then finally, uh, a card I noticed in a few other of these guys' decks uh, leading up to this. Uh, from... Streets of New Capenna, a counterspell called On Offer You Can't Refuse, which is one mana, counter-target non-creature spell, its controller makes two treasures. And I know that two treasures seems like a pretty bad downside, but I think it's a lot better than a game-winning insurrection. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I feel like definitely this card is almost going to become like the Neo-like Swan Song, yeah. uh, which I did include both in this deck, but I'm definitely going to get my hands on a copy. As it also as helps that it's uh, $11 cheaper with Swan Song not really being reprinted since one, I think like C15. It's only got printed twice, and the OG is in Theros. So that's currently up to $13. And an offer you can't refuse is expensive for an uncommon at two, but still it's much nicer. Uh, I, I, I do have to draw attention because I don't think you've called it out, Oakley. There's a, an off-color fetch in this in this land base. Uh, just one. There's a verdant <laughs> catacombs in your Esper base. Um, nah, dude, there's a blood there's a bloodstain mire two. in this too. There's a blood <laughs> and there, an arid mesa. He's Aaron playing mesa all the fetches. Well. Or... <laughs> all right, I only saw the one. I dislike um, all of them, but I, I kind of did that for the memes. But those are just the three um, on-color fetches that I happen to mm. own. So I tossed them in there because why not? <laughs> Um, but they are legal. I mean, uh, it doesn't have that mana pip on true, it, true. so uh, it can be run in any of these that's decks. That's true. That's true. Um, I know the rules committee at one point mind, was like, uh, we want to find a way to make these illegal, but it's very difficult and annoying to do, so yeah. we won't do it. Well, yeah, but... it's like why um, yeah. uh, Urbor Tomb of Yawgmoth is technically legal in every deck, and now Yavimaya Cradle of Growth, yep. where you can make everything a swamp in a mono-white deck, um, but that's less useful now. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, any any last opinions on on um, this guy before we move to the the bottom two? Uh, like I'd like to I'd yeah, like I to see this work. make no, an appearance. I, I think that this is <laughs> mm -hmm. this is a deck that I'm interested uh, even potentially in playing if we do one of those those swap nights or something. But uh, this is cool. I, I would like to see this, and it's it's cool. rare for Oak to branch into his his uh, his his blue white you know. Uh, side so I, I, I like this i'm gonna i'm gonna encourage this <laughs> thanks for sure 
I'll, I'll bring it. I'll bring it. Yeah, play some. Sure. Cut, cut, cut a few things though. Play like a couple more lands, maybe some mana rocks, <laughs> just so we we know we're consistent, and then then I can give it my full seal of approval. Oh, your number <laughs> of lands is perfect. All right, all right. Don't. Thanks. I pre- it's thirty-five. You see that? I, right. It's twenty-nine, thirty-five with MDFCs. He <laughs> seems to have found every single one. I I legitimately yep. think that structure is perfect for this deck. This is a mm-hmm. deck where flooding out would be i feel like a death knell for you of just oh my god i have three two mana creatures in my hand and i just drew another land i already had enough mana to play my entire hand <laughs> if i wanted to like yeah. it's I, I i like this structure for this deck and i'd be very interested to see how it turns out and i think there's there would end up being like a lot of skill involved in when do you play an MDFC for a land or when do you when mm-hmm. do you holster that. The one yeah. the one thing be an interesting thing. To the play. one thing I think could be interesting to to play with too, uh, if it was looking for a bit of like an upgrade or you were worried about its performance. Um, see if there's more stack species you can put for large mana cost spells. I saw uh, Linvala. Yeah. No, not Linvala. There's one that's like spells that cost four or more. Uh, Redain. Cost two more. Redain, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yep. I see Redain. I feel like there's a couple more. My mind went to Trinisphere, but I'm not sure that that would actually be that useful um, a lot oh, no. of the time. Me- Meekstone is one I consider. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's something like, if people don't know what that is, I think it's like creatures with power like greater than three can't attack, right. period. But then the conniving uh, of Rafine kind of comes into question. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you'd yeah. want something you that play, like, um... like Gaddic Teague, but you know, in these colors. I think you could play... Yeah. <laughs> Crackdown, which is an enchantment that I think restricts creatures from attacking by mana cost. I want to say it's Ooh. like three or greater can attack, or yeah. it might even be four or greater can attack. That might be something that you would could include. Okay, okay. I forget. Look that up right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's one that I've played in a few decks, but I just I haven't made like a a white base deck in so long. So yeah, three mana enchantment, non-white creatures with power three or greater don't untap during their controller's untap step. So unfortunately it seems oh, like it's still is, it is power. power, but it's non-white and he's running several white creatures. So it doesn't True. necessarily yes. conflict. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Very nice. Good All stuff. Right. Julian, Jeff. I'll go. I got a, I mean, basically all my cards just say cycling on them. That's the, the only reason we're playing. So I'll, uh, I'll go through it. But yeah, like I said, playing the cycling deck, um, let me pull my notes up real quick. So there is already like an existing sort of cycling deck in the meta, or not our meta, but like the meta at large. And it's that that Jeskai one from Ikoria that kind of got like a bunch of uh, tools back out there. But you know mm-hmm. we have blue and white, so we, we have some nice overlap uh, with that. Uh, we're playing a bunch of cyclers. I haven't counted, but I say it's probably two thirds of our our cards cycle. Um, and I kind of pared that down for basically if we're going to cycle this and then we'll eventually get it back off the to lose trigger uh would we actually want to cast it and then right. and then obviously amongst those things that were like there was a few there was like a removal spell but it was like it cycled for one black black as opposed to one that cycles for like two generic <laughs> or just a blue i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna favor these other things even if they're not as rawly powerful so um our game plan is to kind of just like basically draw through our deck as fast as possible and uh, slowly chip away at people while we're we're doing the uh, control slash maybe people will just ignore us because we're just, you know, dirtling. Um, we've got things like Drakehaven, uh, Lazatep Chancellor, uh, which is a sick Modern Horizons card, um, Ominous Seas, uh, Bone Miser, as well as uh, Tormod, 
the partner, Tormod the de uh, the Desecrator, is it? I think. Yep. Yeah. Uh, those are all cards that give us tokens. Tormod is actually uh, some sick tech because Tormod says um, whenever one or more cards leave your graveyard, what happens with Toulouse is technically you di when you discard that card, it goes to your graveyard and then Toulouse exiles it from your graveyard into her zone, you know, her her exile thing, right? So exile. that tr that technically counts as a card leaving your graveyard. Same thing for Sir Conrad the Grim, who we're running as well to provide incidental pings. Uh, so that's some nice, cute, cute little tech if you want to get cute with it. Um, so we've got those. We've got Faith of the Devoted, Sir Conrad, like I said, and then also Feast of Sanity. These are all cards that will either drain or um, deal damage to our opponents. And then we're playing things like Astral Slide, Astral Drift, and then uh, Ruthless Sniper, which is a uh, card from Amonkhet that puts one minus one minus one counters on things, and Archfiend of Ifnir, which of course puts minus one count minus one minus one counters on everything. Those are kind of our control payoffs in terms of getting benefit uh, as we cycle. And then I think the one card that I need to point out uh, is New Perspectives. This was actually a deck in Standard for those of y'all who weren't playing Standard uh, or, or don't care about Standard uh, during Amonkhet. Um, there was actually like a cycling sort of combo deck. New Perspectives is a six-mana enchantment that basically says if you have... Uh, where the heck is it? I think it's like seven, six or seven more cards. Seven yeah, if you have more. seven... When it enters, you draw three cards. So it's already just six-mana, draw three, fine. But as long as you have seven or more cards in hand, uh, you can just pay zero to cycle all your cards. So as long as you're not playing anything or you're you're going up on value usually <laughs> using the uh, Toulouse uh, engine um, you can just continuously cycle everything um, so we're actually playing a couple tutors in here just to find this I do have an enlightened tutor as well as an idyllic tutor um, and then uh, a fabricate as well to find our Ashnod's altar which is going to be our primary sacrifice outlet for Toulouse um, so you play things like demonic gifts or um, uh, like undying uh, you know the card undying not the mechanic um, on her and then sack her and then that will be a, allow you to control when you get all those cards back basically oh and of right. course we're running fluctuator in here as well cycling abilities you activate cost up to two less to activate which is nice because that used to be super expensive and they reprinted it in uh that commander deck so now it's only like 20 cents which is pretty sick. yeah it used to be pretty okay then it got specked out when the cycling deck was revealed and one of the glorious times that a card necessary for an archetype is printed in the precon happened and the price crashed so, yeah i mean because it was an old it was like, card it was from Christmas. like mm -hmm. you know old old there's like a cycle of them there's one that makes like buyback cost two less uh all those old abilities there's like all these weird rocks oh mm. that's kind of sick so yeah that's what we're doing and then we're just playing a bunch of a bunch of cycling cards like you know i mean decree of pain cycles uh you know, Can there's I ask just you various resounding spells. Wave? Say that again. <laughs> resounding wave, uh, two and a blue, return target permanent to its owner's hand. It has cycling for five and Esper. Uh, when you cycle it, return two permanents <laughs> to its owner's hands. That's that value right there. <laughs> that yeah, seems... that's true. <laughs> you get to draw a card though. You get to draw a card though. Um, I just, it's just kind of like, so there's a there is a. Jeez. There is a cycle of these cycling cards from original Alara block that they're some of the few cards that do a thing. And then when you cycle them, they do that thing like, you know, even bigger. And there was, yeah, these ones that cost like seven or eight mana to cycle with all three of their, their shards colors and did the stuff. Yeah, this could maybe come out. I do kind of like it because this is something that we could just play <laughs> naturally or discard to something else. Um, but I mean, if we're a... Uh, 
you know, if we've got if we've got new perspectives, it's fine. Just cycle it for zero. Return two targets to their own hands. It's, it's fine. Uh, it that would like, be what, really what is, good. <laughs> you, you could probably like, yes, this is a cycling deck. Um, I I honestly would something I put in my deck that I'll, I'll go into in a little bit, but some buyback spells like forbid. Uh, that's like what buyback, discard two cards and counter target spell because that kind of thing is you're still going to get the same benefit from um, to lose through a different function uh but it still plays into your deck with the the cutesy theme without costing eight mana to do so so i do like that chev and um here here's one of the sick benefits of being uh one of our patrons i actually have in my notes uh if you're if you're a patron you get access to all of our notes where we have 41 cards we have some nice what oh yeah 41 cards and considering (laughs) yeah because that was once i figured out exactly what i wanted to do i was like oh this is something that could theoretically get theoretically get slotted in so I'll, I'll put it down to the considering just in case um but uh in my notes i have everything about to lose in this deck like all the you know the specific mm-hmm. synergies in the thought process but i actually like i mentioned earlier i i started making just kind of like a a discard value more mid-rangey deck and i've actually put a write-up for that as well with uh, not not a, f- uh, a a nicely pared down 100 cards but you know a pile of cards that things that you could play um and i decided that i was gonna save that for a separate thing and this is just Mm -hmm. strictly the cycling deck but there are a bunch of other good uh synergistic things that you could play which i think you're going to talk about madness buyback yep other various discard outlets Uh, i'd like to take back my insult levied at resounding wave because at least it's not resounding roar uh which is one in a green target creature gets plus three plus three until end of turn cycling once again eight mana uh when you cycle resounding roar Target creature gets plus six, plus six until end of turn. Eight <laughs> mana. Granted, it is instant eight speed. Eight draw card, baby. Eight cycling. mana instant. <laughs> it's instant speed. It's uncounterable, but it's eight mana plus six, plus six, and draw a card for a turn. I wouldn't. I don't think I would pay eight mana for six one one counters and draw a card. <laughs> oh, there is there is a oh. one more piece of tech I want to put in this, and that is uh, those new channel. Uh, lands uh, channel works yeah. with this but the channel lands that we got from uh kamigawa i'm playing the blue and the white one in here uh those also are just they're good they're untapped mana sources and they synergize with the the discarding sort of thing so those are things to mm. consider as well um, a route for tech that i would like to suggest julian is uh, i know you love this mechanic transmute <laughs> Discard that card, tutor for a card with the same converted mana cost. Oh my goodness, I uh, did not even think of that. I, I do like that. <laughs> we, I feel like we've co- had to cover so many of those for PDH. Right. Um, and I know there are, at least, there are at least a few good EDH ones, like Muddle the Mixture, um, Tolarian something. Oh yeah, something yeah, the, uh, the land. <laughs> the land, yep. yeah. Um, but I, I feel like there's a few probably EDH-worthy uh, transmute cards yeah. that you could slot into this uh, and get the same sort of synergies. Yeah, I'm trying to it? think if uh, there was perplex, a... That's like counter-target spell, or um, unless the opponent discards their hand uh, yeah. as transmute yep. for three, uh, muddle the mixture for two. I'm trying to think if there's one that's six. If there was one for six, I would play it just so we can get new perspectives. The thing is that there a lot is, of those... but it's bad. Yeah, the uh, thing I is a lot of those in, transmutes um, ones... <laughs> a lot of the transmute ones are really bad so in pdh you play them because they're basically just tutors right but in this um we're i i think we're we're slimmed down we're efficient enough that i can just draw through things uh, and get there as i need as opposed to having to play 
the six mana like four or five or whatever you know that just is vanilla um, i don't actually know what it is but it's something uh, like there are two of them uh one is uh a six mana two three that has blue and tap target creatures unblockable this turn it's pretty yeah i'm not gonna play that uh, the other one is six mana. <laughs> uh, when it comes into play, each opponent loses one life for each creature he or she controls. Which is less bad, but bad. Yeah. You, you know what card <laughs> is better than both of those? Resounding Wave. So uh, I think we're good. I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean you know what card's a... better than both of those? I, I think you're already running... Uh, I saw already saw Idyllic Tutor in here, but uh, I don't know how many other enchantment tutors you're running if you just want to go get... Uh, new perspectives uh i'm running enlightened tutor as well okay mm -hmm. yeah. only the two tutors but i will say we're only we're running nine enchantments and basically all of them are like our heavy hitters are are yeah our yeah i really like things. ominous season this deck specifically because i i oh, do yeah. think you're going to be drawing <laughs> a healthy number of cards i i forgot about it but i just <laughs> went through and basically i like batch added just everything that said cycling on it and then I was like looking back through, you know, 150 cards or whatever, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is also just synergizes. It's great." Yeah. Hey, if you're drawing all these cards, maybe you should, uh, you know, just toss just toss Kaza in that uh, 99 there. Maybe you, <laughs> you should <know? laughs> drain your opponents. A I uh, bit. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Lab Man or Thassa's Oracle, which was a thought, but I was nah. it was a thought, but I was like, nah, let's let's not do that this time. Let's. I mean, let's just... Kaza seems like a bit of an upgrade from Dranith Healer. Um, <laughs> cycle another card, gain one life because it's you know whenever you draw, what you're gonna be doing on the same thing, and plus a little bit extra. Um, I was gonna say I, I view Kaza well, cycle Dranith yeah, Kaza as an upgrade for, for, for one generic Chev. Uh, Feast, what of saying, Eric? Uh, Feast of Sanity is three and a black. Uh, whatever you discard a card, it deals one damage to any target, and you gain a life. You mm -hmm. can use that to ping things off, uh, but it seems on the weaker end of your enchantments, and at least Keza would come with a body. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's various. Uh... Yeah. trades right. that could be made. There's various ways that Julian could have done better, um, but we're not here to really, you know, harp on it too much this time. Um, for those of you who have been with EDH for a while, uh, it is interesting because before the Jeskai cycling deck came out, the the de facto cycling commander was Zur, the enchanter. Uh, deals combat damage, get a tutor for an enchantment that's three mana or less, because that would get you all the pieces of Astral Drift, Astral Slide, uh, Drake Haven, Faith of the Devoted, anything you're looking for to capitalize on the cycling synergy. So seeing Toulouse at the head of a deck, it's kind of like, you know, you like the idea of Xur, but everyone in your playgroup doesn't. And it seems like this could be a very easy switch for that archetype <laughs> and making a deck a little less powerful, um, but maybe more enjoyable for everyone around you. It is actually a good I point. I forget that Xur is Esper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chev, All right. what are you working with? Rounding us off, we have the Trash Man, Oscar Rubbish Reclaimer. So, Julian, um, yes, sir. like I said in the beginning, love the, the deck idea of cycling all these cards. They go to exile, then you bring them back when Toulouse dies. Of course, if you exile Toulouse, those cards are lost forever. If Toulouse gets bounced, those cards are lost. Um, I don't like having that, you know, potential of losing my resources. So instead, I'm just going to be able to only use one of them before they go to the yard, and that's Oscar. Whenever you discard a non-land card, you may cast it from your graveyard. So my idea with this one was um, we're going to try and get Oscar out as fast as possible, ignore all casting time restrictions, and then utilize similar graveyard and discard effects 
to flood the board with value, whether we're discarding cards um, through uh, spell activations like Dahada's Ploy, um, which came out in Modern Horizons 2, or the effect Jumpstart, which is, you know, cast from your graveyard by discarding a card in addition to paying its other costs. That gives you a card you can kind of like sling madness style. Um, basically, the best way to evaluate if a card is good for Oscar is assume every card in your deck has madness, and how fun would that be? Um, so you can get around a lot of restrictions. You can play creatures off turn um, using things like uh, the Bag of Holding that we've seen recently, which, uh, of course, you can stack these triggers because Bag of Holding, discard a card, exile it from your graveyard, but you can stack them with Oscar. So you're paying two to draw a card, then you discard a card, and as long as you play that card, it doesn't go to exile, and you don't have to worry about Bag of Holding. Um, if you don't want to worry about those timing restrictions uh, because maybe you're a couple beers in, luckily the Underworld Cookbook is also a great option to just discard a card, create a food token. So you can use that as kind of the engine um, to get the cards that Oscar allows you to to play. Uh, and then one of my favorites, especially while goldfishing, was Dreamscape Artist. You know, you're always looking for a deck to kind of put this guy in, but being able to harrow in a deck, that, <laughs> in a Demir deck that doesn't have access to green uh, and be able to sling the cards when you want them is so much fun to be able to ramp um, in something like this. And then, like I mentioned, Dahada's Ploy, Chemister's Insight's the big one, or Charter Course, and effects like that. Kind of what we saw and Eric talked about in his deck, which is, you know, draw two, discard one. Um, and so you're essentially getting to draw two and play a card. So once you've done all of that discard and energy and synergy with Oscar, you want to actually be able to win the game. So similar to uh, Julian, who's capitalizing on these cycle things, one of the best parts about the Drakehaven and uh, Faith of the Devoted from Amonkhet is they care about cycle and discard. So we're not really cycling in this deck. We have a few cards for it. Um, but since Oscar is non-land card, there's a lot of the synergies are lost with the cycling lands. So instead, we're just discarding everything, using this to get a token army, ping everyone. Um, Crimson Vow also had Dying to Serve, a three-man enchantment, discard one or more cards, create a tap 2-2 black zombie creature token. Luckily not for Midnight Hunt, so it doesn't have Decayed. Um, and so, <laughs> or... or even things like um, kind of switching gears a little bit for cards that benefit from playing things from the graveyard. Uh, someone mentioned Sir Conrad the Grim and Tormod the Desecrator. I think it was Julian again. Mm. But since we're actually casting it from the graveyard, Secrets of the Dead, which was, uh, I think it might have been from something else, but S -S Commander 2019 had a flashback deck. So we're able to use some of those synergies as well to be able to just cast them from the graveyard uh, and Secrets of the Dead gives us a card every time we do so. Similar with River Kelpie um, and so on and so forth. Yeah, Chev, that Secrets of the Dead, that was actually originally an Innistrad card when they first, Ooh. or, well, not when they first did Flashback, but when Flashback came back in, you know, right, in full it was like force. Right, like a full set mechanic. And, and little did they know that many moons later, we would come to them with the rule book and be like, look, it technically counts. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and we've, we're, we're really playing it fast and loose with the rules um, on this one. I think those are the, the main cards. To call out a, a couple specific ones, um, we've got... Uh, well, the first one, and probably the most important, is going to be Containment Construct from uh, Neon Dynasty. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard if you do play that card this turn. Essentially, a backup for Oscar. Uh, because Oscar, it's very clear the value of Oscar, and since this deck really focuses on what it can do any sort of thing that you can have to either duplicate the effect or make you not be sitting on your hands uh, if Oscar gets removed too frequently is going to really free you up. So we're also running madness and cycling effects and whatever we can do to really make use of all of our resources. 
Uh, one card that I, I really like in this deck, I, I don't think you called it out, is Chain of Smog. Mm-hmm. Uh, that card is is peak bullying people because it's one in a black target player discards two cards from his or her hand. That player may copy the spell and may choose new targets for the copy. Uh, if they ever decide to choose you, uh, you just play out two cards from your hand using Oscar and you say, okay, sounds good. I'll choose you again. Discard two more cards, idiot. It's it's really <laughs> high efficiency discard, force discard. It's also part of our secondary win con. Uh, we have a two-card <clears throat> infinite combo in here. Um, we have Chain of Smog and Professor Onyx. Uh, Professor Onyx is from Strixhaven, Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. So we've got a lot of madness and graveyard shenanigans here. If that's not working, um, kill everyone by targeting yourself and discarding your hand after you have nothing in it with Magecraft triggers. Um, you... <laughs> So it was in there to be as heinous as possible. Um, But to make up for that, we're running a lot of, like, basically all the cards I've always wanted to find a home for uh, in these colors with this strategy. Because I've been really trying to make a Madness deck for a while. I have tried to build an Asmore Shell. I've not really liked it. Uh, I've tried to build an Anya deck. But um, mentally, I know Oakley would never let me play that. And as in, I would always hear him say uh, Oakley-isms whenever I tried. So I've been looking for a different card. Um... But anyway, things like Magus of the Bazaar. Two mana, draw two cards, then discard three cards. Obviously, this is Bazaar of Baghdad. Um, <laughs> that card is out of my financial reach, but <laughs> this little Magus isn't. Uh, and finding a way for that card to be useful. Um, there's another couple uh, that... Anything, of course, that helps you cast stuff from the graveyard. There's uh, the the Naga um, from that I have in the Tashiro deck that's like Entomb on a stick, and then cards from your graveyard cause one less to cast. But we have the upgraded version of Lord of the Forsaken from Midnight Hunt. Uh, pay one life, add one colorless, spend this mana only to cast a spell from your graveyard. So you're able to kind of discard it, use that synergy, and same with Patrician Geist, 2-2 uh, two, two for three spells from graveyard cost one less. So we're, we're really making use of that as much as possible. Um, and probably the, the last type of cards is, while Delirium Skines might not be great for Eric's deck, it's perfect for this one. Uh, everyone discards three cards or necrogen mists at the beginning of each player's upkeep that player discards a card that's good because like if i'm discarding three i'm probably only able to play one but necrogen mist i can keep up with playing one card per per turn i think that's that's going to be fine um and same with dark deal and windfall so we i i thought early on that i might want more of a everyone discard theme but it was coming out to be not as strong as i wanted and i felt it'd be more fun to just focus on my own discard and being able to play everything that i want to play one card I really like in that vein is Rankle Master Pranks, where yeah. if you are not in the mood to discard, you don't have the mana, you don't have the resources, you don't have uh, either uh, Containment Construct or Oscar on the field, you can just do other things. But as soon as it's back online, you say, okay, we're all back to discarding cards all the time. Uh, the modular mm-hmm. ability on Rankle, I, I think, works really well in this deck. Yeah. One card that's, like, if you don't know this card learn it add it to your decks probably it, it only facilitates degenerate things but scourge familiar uh which is five mana for three two flying so not the greatest rate but literally just says discard a card add a black mana do it as many times as you want mm-hmm. oh boy it does this <laughs> facilitate some nasty things uh i'm, I'm glad you included this because this was a, a card that i found and this is just 
it is ripe for abusing, and uh, I'm sure there's plenty of ways that you can uh, when this this uh, actually gets played. We got Except a there few was... more like that in Modern Horizons 2 since that was, did have a slight madness theme. Uh, Hellmongrel being the, the call-out specifically. Discard a card, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So another sort of free outlet that you can empty a hand into once you have the mana. Or just make a really big Nightmare Dog. I feel like I've seen Very you true. play Hellmongrel before. What deck was that in? Uh, it was in the PDH Azra Oddsmaker deck, which is also mm. a madness deck because that is, um, at the beginning of combat, discard a card, target creature if it deals damage to an opponent, draw two or something like that. Yeah. So you just play all of the madness cards you can at common rarity. Chev, there was two cards that I wanted to... Things that I had found in, in my research that I I wanted to bring uh, attention to it and maybe you would include... Uh, the first The first one I think is genuinely good. The second one is, is more fun. Um... But the first one is Forgotten Creation. This is from, I want to say, the original sh sh like Shadows Over Innistrad, I think. Um, it's like a four-mana whatever creature. It basically says, at the beginning of your upkeep, you can discard your hand, and if you do, draw that many cards. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this is just an, a way to continually refilling, um, especially if you have things that have flashback and you don't mind them just sitting in your graveyard. You know, like if you have right. three cards at the start of your turn, I feel like you just always fire this off. Mm -hmm. so a, a nice way to get that recurring value especially when you're utilizing your graveyard as much as you are uh, and the other one is Urza's Guilt uh, which is uh, sorcery for two blue black each player draws two cards then discards three cards then loses four life <laughs> it's just oh, it's, it's more of that just gosh. like we're all kind of getting hurt here but like it's not yeah. really hurting me right <laughs> yeah, it's the kind of thing where, like, I, I really enjoyed building Oscar and, and goldfishing and scheming and seeing, like, okay, how many resources do I have by this turn? How many resources? But it's also, like, I think this is a deck I really want to take to some of our game nights to really suss out, like, how often will Oscar be online? Because that changes a lot of the internal strategy for this deck. Like, do I need more cards that can be cast from the graveyard automatically? Like, what is the synergies here that I'm missing once it comes up against opponents? And so it's like it's been really good to to goldfish and i know i have those resources i know i can cast into those abilities uh but especially for like mass discard how often will i have the ability to truly capitalize on that for multiple creatures and how much recursion do i need like regular recursion as well yeah for sure any sort of these dirtily commanders really require like do i need to turn this into a julian deck if i want to see it function right by adding you know 10 counter spells 10 <laughs> removal spells and then like three game pieces Chev, you should put uh, Insidious Dreams in this deck. I I forgot about that card, but I just remembered it. I love that card. It's like a Insidious Dreams. It's it's you discard X cards and then you can uh, stack your deck. Oh yeah, yeah. You you, tu you tutor for X cards and stack the top of your deck with them, basically. I remember for the that brief moment that I did make an Esper deck, um, which was the Amanatu. I tried to do like top deck manipulation and stuff, mm. but oh, yeah, yes. that I, I think I have a copy of that lying around that I might want to bring out. Yeah, that's a that's a personal favorite. Um, or maybe turbulent dreams. I find as I like, I find it's a cycle. Uh, two mana sorcery, additional cost, discard, and then return X target non land permanence to their owner's hands. Beautiful. Yeah, that's 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 a good one too. Uh, Vengeful yeah. Dreams, the white one, as we're just going down the list. Remove X target attacking creatures from the game. Ooh. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> That's a little spicy. All right. Yeah, I put... Sorry. Oh, no. Go ahead. Uh, 
keep going, keep going. I was going to say, I put the blue one and the black one when I briefly made an around me deck for Popper. Or no, no, mm -hmm. no. When I briefly made an around me deck, I put those both in because you can just discard a bunch of creatures that you're going to reanimate right. and then do whatever you want. Um, yeah. Yeah, anyway. The, the last thing I'll mention is uh, while this list will be we will be put up, this definitely focuses on just discard abilities and madness. The couple other things you could do if you're looking to put your own spin on it is lean harder on things like jumpstart and flashback. Um, particularly flashback because there's a lot of fun cards that are like uh, increasing confusion where if, if it was cast from your graveyard, do something else. Um, and so this would gives you the ability to kind of do that multiple times because you've got the first iteration that's going from your graveyard. Uh, and then you've got the flashback one as well, so you get the benefit twice. Uh, and kind of like I mentioned, more opponent hand disruption, things like Tiny Bones uh, and other ones that just empty people's hands consistently or like Geth's Grimoire, really turn it into a, a painful, painful deck. Um, I didn't think the social aspects would be as fun with a deck like that, so I kind of stuck away from it. But if your meta is a little more metal, um, that might be something to do. And then there was a final... The final thing I was thinking of was... Um, learn right we don't have a lot of targets for it but of course in edh where you're not learning a lesson card from outside the game it just reads as discard a card to draw a card so you get that similar uh loop that we're trying to do with all of these things here uh things like dream Strix, because i searched dream on scryfall to find insidious dreams um when it dies learn and it's a three two with flying or something so there's very many ways i i kept the cost low but there's obviously ways with some of these less loved mechanics uh, to take it even lower. There's also ways to take it even higher in terms of budget. Play Lion's Eye Diamond, baby. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't play. play uh, what, what is it? <laughs> Diamond Lion? I did have Diamond <laughs> Lion on my list. Because it gives you the mana to cast whatever you might want to. Yeah. Or some of the mana, at least. Yep. Anyway. Gents, lads, the Obscura family. We just gave the definitive way to build all of these commanders. So make these decks today, bring them to your local meta, wreak havoc, but in in a, in a polite, fun way, of course, you know. Mm, probably no Tiny Bones if you're going to a game store. <laughs> Isn't tiny bones. tiny bones, like, pretty expensive? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if people just don't want to shell out for that. Tiny Bones is very expensive. It's one of the mythics from Jumpstart, so it was only available in, like, one of the 140 lists or something like that. Yeah, what a freaking product. Any final takeaways about the brewing process? Um, for many of you, Esper is an, is an uncomfortable color combination. Uh, anything you want to add before we sign out? Yeah, so I didn't do Esper. Uh, I did Demir, <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I saw Oscar when it was spoiled. I called him out in our prime picks. I really wanted to do something with it because it, I wanted to build a madness style thing for a while. So this gave me the opportunity to do so. So once we decided we wanted to do Obscura, I was... Very involved, very excited, thoroughly enjoyed the process. Yeah, I think we all kind of got what we wanted. I believe all four of these, or at least three of these, were called out in our prime picks by various members of us, and we were all like, yep, that, this person's doing that one, I'm doing this one. You know, like, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed every deck that was presented today. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. I liked this format for prime picks a lot. Let us know if you liked this format for prime picks. Of <laughs> We don't all just talk about one deck, hopefully it adds... A little bit more diversity to your card discovery. Uh, give us some feedback depending on whether or not you liked this structure. We definitely have more group brews in the future. So uh, we can try and follow this line or go back to the old formula. If they like what we're doing and they want to assist us in helping create even more excellent content, there's there's two ways that they can actually help us out. Um, Eric, would you, would you tell them how they can do that? I'd be happy to tell you and them. Uh, the first of which, simplest of which, 
uh, you go to our Patreon, linked in the description of the podcast, but also patreon.com slash hexdrinkers, and then you, you give us money. Uh, you, you pay us directly, <laughs> and we we give you delicious, delicious content in, into your content holes. And that includes uh, our notes, as Julian had mentioned. Uh, there's a little bit more going on there, as well as a full version of this. There's a bunch of crap that gets edited out, where it's just us screwing around and being idiots. So if you want a, l- a little bit more of a casual experience, that also certainly exists. Plus, uh, a lot more options that you can look at on that website, as well as equally simple in some ways, a little bit more complex in others. Uh, next time you go to buy cards, there's an affiliate link in the description of this. There's an affiliate link on our website. We're proudly supported by TCG Player. They are genuine heroes to us. But of course, I mean, Card Kingdom, you want to you get a little something, something. You want to get in on this action. Uh, <laughs> our DMs are open. Exactly. It's, it's really nice that, like Eric was saying, the several minutes of us being idiots, uh, this is just going to get edited out, so no one will ever hear that part. Exactly. <laughs> the magic. The magic of editing. That's Group Brew. We're the Hex Drinkers. We're done. See you.